Is this scenario better than the Derek Carr Pro Bowl scenario? Bo Horvat will play for the Pacific Division during NHL All-Star Weekend, but he will wear a New York Islanders jersey. I'd rather see Derek Carr in a helmet. <laughs> there are no helmets. Though. I know. That's no. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. The He's the only one in a helmet. I bet I, I would rather him be the only one in a Raiders helmet. <laughs> Just uh, a the Raiders white helmet. logo. The Raiders logo is so small on that shirt, it might be uh, it might be Bo Horvat being better there because he's got an entire jersey on. So Horvat was just traded from Vancouver to New York. Um, I guess. I don't know. It's too late to change the all-star teams. You might have to send somebody home or something like that or invite another Chandler <laughs> Stevenson. Uh, but he's, he's an all-star, and he's going to be playing with the Pacific Division but wearing a New York Islanders jersey, which is... Um, Maybe the farthest. Pretty funny. Is that the farthest away you can be from the Pacific? Yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. What's no. farther east, New York or Miami? <sighs> I'm on it. Don't worry about it. Go to the next one. I didn't get like hit in the balls, but like. Utah State beat New Mexico 84 73. Utah State led by 19 at halftime. They dominated pretty much this entire game. Uh, free throw line was the big edge. They took 31 free throws in that game. New Mexico only 16. New Mexico is down to 53 in Ken Palm. They have lost to Fresno State. They lost a home game to UNLV, and they lost by 11 to Utah they're, State. They're uh, slipping to the bubble. That's what I'm thinking. They I think are they're not slipping the to the safest bubble. team. No, because 53 in Ken Palm is what the bubble. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing with UNLV, the net rank, or UNLV with the Mountain West, is the net rankings likes the Mountain West a lot better yes. than Ken Palm does, and like Bracket Matrix right now still has New Mexico as an eight seed. In, as an eight seed, yeah, that and that is again, that's all the brackets that are online. Right. They average them out. New Mexico in as an eight seed, which is basically they're safe, in right as long as they don't fall off. But I, I wonder, there's a lot of talk about how many bids can the Mountain West get? Can they get all five of the top five in? They I don't got, think so. They got four in last year. I I just have this feeling the committee's going to look at it and say, well, we're not taking all of you. Right. And especially because, like, who'd you guys beat besides each other? Which is going to be, like, New Mexico does have the win over St. Mary's, which is, like, top ten in net and Ken Palm right now. But ultimately, there's not a lot of great wins. I think there's going to be reasons for the committee to leave out the fourth and fifth best Mountain West team. So New Mexico. I think three is the operative number. That's what Bractology's had the last three or four yeah. weeks. He's, they've had three. He's had three in. Three is pr would be my guess as to what it is, as long as, you know, there's not like a, just a massive upset. Like you, UNLV could play spoiler for a lot of these teams because UNLV is yeah. good enough to win a, a lot of, of these games. games. Yeah. And they could do that. So. I think three is probably the number we end up on, which will be disappointing because they'll have they'll get three in and then they'll have like two of the first four out of the of the NCAA tournament, which sucks. I guess you get to go to the NIT and be a one seed, but that's not nearly as much fun when you think you're in. But I think there's I think you can do it for Utah State, I think you can do it for New Mexico, two teams that uh and Nevada too. Three of the, those three teams are like, hey, they have a shot, but I don't think you should feel that comfortable about them. Boston Bruins are the easternmost team. Going up north is going to be farther east. So Boston's farther east than like Miami? Yes. All right. Mama I'm didn't disa raise I'm no, disappointed. Uh, wuss. This was my favorite tweet from yesterday. Uh, it's, it's one of the best that I have seen. This is from Mike Asty, who tweeted, There's a scout from the WWE 
here at the Shrine Bowl. I talked with him some, and he's here doing the opposite of the rest of us and scouting to see which players will likely not get drafted. It's part of WWE's strategy to find athletes instead of wrestlers in other promotions. Thinking outside the box. I love that the WWE is strolling the sidelines and saying, eh, that guy's not very good. They had to apply for a scouting credential for the Shrine Bowl. And they got it. Got it. Got in. And like, what are you doing? We're looking for the worst guys out here. That guy just dropped two passes. He could be great for us. (laughs) That is phenomenal. Which means if you're a player at the Shrine Bowl and the WWE scout comes up to talk to you, you just yeah. need to put your head down and like, yeah. oh, man. I'm not getting drafted. This is over for me. Can I go back to school? Like, <laughs> that? it's done. If the WWE scout identifies you, you, we need to know the WWE scout's big board. He yes. should, we need to see his big board. Worst players at the Combine, best wrestlers of the future. I'm about to install Tinder. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> is, there a, is there a Mel Kuyper of the WWE at the Shrine Bowl? Like, it's this guy? Just a guy who talks very, very fast. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's, he's got a big. Board. He does not have the potential to play in the league. He he might go to the CFL. We'll wait for him to get cut, and then we'll offer might him. Might go to the Vipers. Oh, that's right. Might be a Viper. Um, Brett Hundley, the quarterback. Yes, name. Brett Hundley t- signed with the Vipers, playing for the XFL team yeah. here in Vegas, on out at Cashman Field. Uh, so it's a, what did he go to UCLA, and then was Aaron yes. Rodgers back up until they yeah. drafted Jordan Love? Then he was in Baltimore, right? No, that's Tyler Huntley. I thought he was a three in Baltimore. I'm he on He might it. have been in the past, but he wasn't this year. Okay. But he might have been in the past. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is not bringing back Jimmy Garoppolo. He was asked if Jimmy Garoppolo could be back in 2023, and Shanahan said, no, I don't see any scenario of that. So he's basically throwing away any chance that Jimmy Garoppolo comes back to San Francisco, which means... Purdy and Lance. Yeah. How many... Uh, how many teams should want Jimmy Garoppolo? Want him or we'll go after him? Want him. <laughs> I, I, it's a different, it is a different, it's answer. different answer. But how many, if you were a GM, like, would you want to go after Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, I guess it all depends on what I have also. But, yeah, there'll be teams that want him. Uh, I wonder what they want him at what price tag. If That's he's, what I'm. If he's really cheap, I actually do want. Him. Like if he's going to play fifteen twenty. Oh, if he's oh. playing for fifteen, that's my quarterback. Right. The amount but, of times we'll see him at the Rhino. <laughs> but if he's going to play, if he's going to get a thirty million dollar or more contract, which is what I think happens, because somebody's going to sign him as a starter, I wouldn't really want him unless my roster, unless I really think my roster's a quarterback away. The problem is, is. None of the teams that need a quarterback are probably just a quarterback away. Right. The right. Jets, I seem to believe they are. So the Jets probably make the most sense where they could say, hey, if we have Garoppolo and he he actually plays the whole season, uh, the Jets are a playoff team or a 10-win team, right? That's not hard to see if they get competent quarterback play for a whole season. But outside of that, like the Colts, maybe the Commanders, Maybe, but like Atlanta, no. Like, if there's there's a lot of teams out there. It's Carolina, no. Like, it's there's a lot of teams. It's like he's not going to actually change where you finish right. this season. And and you're going to pay him thirty million to do that, right? So I just feel like there's a lot of teams that shouldn't want Jimmy Garoppolo, but teams will. The Saints. Uh, and 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 I I understand the question. 
they still have Dalton and Winston under contract. I believe so, yeah. I don't think either one of them is a free agent, so they must be. Yeah, so you just bring in Garoppolo and just be like, yeah, I'll take everybody's crappy, uh, like the, th- the guys they don't want. Ryan Grubb is not going to take the offensive coordinator job at Alabama. Ryan Grubb is currently the Washington offensive coordinator. I don't get this. Unless he met with Saban and said, I can't work for this guy. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Like you have down here, if you, I mean, look at the guys. Sarkeesian, O'Brien Kiffin. gets a better job. Uh, Kiffin. All these guys get better jobs for the OC for Saban, especially with the kind of talent they have offensively. So I'm, you know, I don't know if it's a family thing or what, but it's not many people turn down this gig. And presumably you're getting paid more. I'm making the assumption that Alabama is paying more than than Washington. Washington. Yeah. So I I think there's, there's one of two things. Either it's like family wise. Somebody was like, I don't, I don't want to live in Tuscaloosa. Or he said, I don't want to live in Tuscaloosa. He was like, Alabama? Or the state of Washington. I'll I'll take Washington. I don't want to live in, in Alabama. Right. I think that's the only real thing that makes sense. Which, to be fair, in any other like profession, if you were offered a similar job to move to Alabama, you might be like, I don't want to move to Alabama. Costs are cheap, or cost of living is cheaper there. <laughs> I think Tyler just had a stroke. I did. Uh, cost of living is cheaper in Alabama, so you'd be sure. like, yeah, I'll make a lot more money. Get or nice, have a lot more nice money. bigger house, but. I can see a lot of people saying I'm not taking, uh, even if you consider it a better job, I'm not taking a better job in Alabama because I don't want to live there. Right. So college football coaches don't usually think that way, though. They're usually like, oh, more money, better title, or better program? See you later. Yeah. I kind of thought the Alabama job was strictly we a, have? Yeah. It's, like, you you go there if you've been disgraced and, like, you've been like, he's a buffoon in <laughs> Bill O'Brien's case or... He's a drunk in Sarkeesian's case, or he's an insane person in Lane Kiffin's case. And that's how you're like, no, no, those are all good things. Nick Saban's actually trying to hire like an up-and-comer or something. He's actually trying to poach some talent rather than rehabilitate it. Which, let me ask you this question, too. How long is Nick Saban coaching at Alabama? I mean, he's, what, early 70s? Like, What else would he do, though? He's one of those guys who I think is a... A true lifer. I don't know what else he would do. He he talks about his lake house a lot. I mean, I guess he could go to the lake house. He said that the children will kill him if he ever sells it. And you know it's a lake mansion. Yeah. Not a house. House. Lake house. Yeah. Lake house. He probably owns half the lake. All right. So let, let me ask it this way to, to ask the statement question. What is Mike Krzyzewski doing right now? Uh... I assume he's drawing a salary to just be a guy who shakes season ticket holders' yeah. hands and goes to the pregame board, uh, booster meetings, golfs booster, a lot, uh, smokes a yeah. lot of cigars. Because that's what Saban would do, right? Like, they're, those are kind of the yeah. same guy, right? Is they've coached forever at one school, and well, he hasn't been at Alabama the whole time, but their hair forever. has stayed. They're colored. one of the best or most successful coaches, and it's sort of like, well, would he retire? Because what's he going to do next? Krzyzewski did so. But my to go back to why I asked the question originally, conceivably, if you thought Saban is going to coach for two more seasons, you're the offensive coordinator for those two seasons, you might be the next head coach in Alabama. You have a good chance. Now, it's Alabama. They might say, hey, we're going to hire the best possible guy. We're, We're poaching from whatever school we want. But... If you're the OC when Nick Saban retires, or the DC, whichever unit's better, and you're at the good. Time, yeah, you might have a real chance. So, 
maybe Grubb, I, he obviously didn't think this, but you could look at it and say, oh, I'll be the OC there for two years, and then I'm the head coach of the best program in college yeah. football. Next question. Yeah, should we go to break? I mean, I still want to talk about uh, the fact that no journalist ever found out if Mike Strzef... Oh, wow. I had a stroke. Coach K dyed his hair. <laughs> Wait, you think he... What? Oh, come on. He was in his 70s and that thing was jet black. Some people just don't <laughs> get gray hair. My dad's in his 60s and he's got gray hair in his beard, but he doesn't have gray hair on his head. I have more gray hair than my dad. Actually, that... Uh, me too. Yeah. What is with that generation not graying prematurely? I don't know. I, I have more gray hair than my dad, and he's, you know, 30-something years older than me. So maybe Krzyzewski just didn't get gray hair. Or maybe he had a really good deal okay, with hair Saban too. Saban also is on that. Like, I'm just saying, there's a certain point where the... Tr- it's and they've like, got stressful jobs. Right. Is it, though, they beat everybody by 30? They put the yeah. stress on themselves. True. True, yeah. to be that good. They're they're True. angry when they're up by 45 right. in the fourth exactly. because their third string left guard missed a block right. or something. Exactly. And they Screaming lose their minds. And they're like, uh, you still gained 17 yards on the carry. Calm yes. down over there. The game is over. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll get into some UNLV basketball. DeJounte Murray comes up across. DJ goes right to Bogey. Bogey turns, fires, and hits the three-pointer. Bogey makes it 115 to 77. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. So the Lady Rebels are 20-2 and on the season. And one of the big questions that we have had is if this team loses the Mountain West tournament, they do not win the conference tournament, will they still be in the NCAA tournament, right? They're 20-2, and they're 10-0. and in the Mountain West. So ESPN's bracketology for the women's tournament has the Lady Rebels as a 12 seed as the automatic qualifier from the Mountain West. The last four teams in as at large teams are also 12 seeds. So the implication there is that if UNLV were to not win the Mountain West tournament, they would at least be on the bubble. They'd mm-hmm. at least be in the conversation because they're getting the same seed as the teams that were in or the last teams in as 12 seeds. So again, there's still eight regular season games left for the lady rebels. I, you know, if they were to go four and four in those eight, they're going to be out, right? right? They can't Unless afford they win the conference. Tournament. Yeah, right. Um, you know, they can probably afford a loss or two along the way. Cause the key is the teams on the bubble aren't going undefeated the rest of the way either. If right. you're on the bubble, you're probably losing, especially in a good conference. You're probably losing, three or four more games. So they can probably afford a loss or two in the regular season. And then if they lose in the mountain West tournament, they'll be on the bubble and we'll see if the committee rewards a team that has a, you know, 28 and four record at the end of the season, or if they go with a power conference school, that's potentially better, but has a much less impressive regular season. Well, we said beforehand, uh, and it's a long way from doing this, but um, if they're near 30 wins, I mean, if you don't take a team near 30 wins, then you're never getting at large. Like if they, if they if they were to win out and they'd be at 28 and two, and then they go to the Mountain West tournament and win two games but lose the championship game, right. and you're 30 and three, I I think you almost have to put that team in. No, right? I agree with you. I like, just 
I'm wondering because it's the Mountain West what happens. Yeah. And it, the fact that we're even questioning 30 and 3 is kind of sad. Yeah, not ideal. But I, I think the the gaudy record combined with their their like net ranking is it's it's a bubble team number. Like it's a solid net ranking. And if they go 30 and 3, it'll probably be even better. I think they'll be close enough to the other bubble teams that that they'll reward a team that's 30 and 3 as opposed to one that's 18 and 13 or whatever right, the record is right. at the other bubble a power teams. conference. Right. Now, they lose two or three instead of being a 30 and 3, they're 28-5 or something like that. It's a little bit different of a conversation right. because 28 and 5 while still good is not maybe the most eye-popping number you can have out there. Uh, they play tonight at New Mexico. So Lady Rebels are back in action tonight as they try to stay unbeaten in Mountain West play. Uh, on the men's side, what should Kevin Kruger be doing with the center position? Well, we had Mike Grimal on earlier, and I I found his uh, I found his uh, evaluation of David Mwaka, uh fascinating in that they can know very early on whether it's going to be a good game for him or not. And if it's not going to be a good game, then he's out the rest of the he's out the rest of the way. Um, Keyshawn Hall, Mike said, "Well, you've been saying all along not there defensively, but he actually can score." And Iwaka uh, fouled out in nine minutes the last game. I, I, I mean, is it crazy given they're not they're not a great scoring team that Keyshawn Hall should be getting more minutes? Yeah, they're worst when he's on the floor. Offensively, no. Well, they're better offensively, but yeah, their overall, yeah, overall, their overall net can't rating defense. is worse when he's on the floor because he's the worst defender on the team. He might be the worst defender in the entire conference. Like they they just give up points in bunches when Keyshawn Hall is out there. The th- the, the part that fascinates me is that Iwako gets the start. Keyshawn right. Hall then is the second center off the bench, and then they only play Milwaukee when one of those two gets into foul, Getting foul trouble. trouble. And that's what happened in the first half of the last game is they were both Iwako and Hall were both in foul trouble. So they put in Milwaukee and in like three minutes, he had like four rebounds, blocked a shot, had an assist. He did miss two free throws, but in like three minutes, he had a better stat line than the other two. And that's the part that's fascinating to me is that he plays and it's, it's pretty obvious to me He's the best center of those three. It's extremely obvious to me he's better than Vicky Waco. The only argument is the one you made is that, well, Keyshawn Hall can score, so at least we get, you know, a new element from Keyshawn Hall when he's in. I'm blown away that David Mwaka is not getting more minutes more than minutes Victor right Iwako. Now. And honestly, Keyshawn Hall. Like that just is is fascinating to me that that's the evaluation Kevin Kruger has made because the, the whole idea of his confidence and when we put him in, we can see they don't put him in until guys get in foul trouble. It's not like he's starting and it's like, oh, he looks bad. Let's get him out of there. He doesn't play until the final like five minutes of the first half if there's foul trouble. And then, okay, cool. He played. He was had a good game, but then he doesn't play in the second half again until there's foul trouble. It's still Iwako, Keyshawn Hall. Uh-oh, they have three fouls. Here comes David Milwaukee. Here comes Milwaukee. It's a bizarre situation to me because I think he's clearly – clearly the best center option that they have. And Kevin Kruger's not using him. He's using Iwako, and he's using Keyshawn Hall way more. The one thing that I would be curious to see, because if I was another team, I would be doing this. David Mawaka, 36% on free throws this year. 36. He's only shot 33, small sample size. 
but 36% in his uh, career, which is a bigger sample size, 101 free throw attempts, 37%. So it's not really in his head. He just can't shoot free throws. He just can't shoot free throws. Um, if I <laughs> if I were defending UNLV, I'm I'm probably fouling him every time he's in the game. Well, especially if he's going up for a shot. Yeah. Oh, I'm fou- yeah. Oh, if he if he's going up to shoot, oh, I'm tackling him. You're you're not making this shot because you're about to have to shoot two free throws. But I, I think there's a nobody has done this. But if if you told me like if we fast forward five six games from now and and Milwaukee's getting more minutes and he's playing well and everything, but then all of a sudden somebody decide Air Force is like oh, we're just going to foul that guy every time down the floor and he's shooting 30% from the free throw line, then absolutely you have to take him off the floor. Right. Because right. that's, I mean, that's horrific offense, of offensive efficiency if that guy's shooting free throws 15 times in a game right. or something like that. But that hasn't happened yet. Nobody's done it. Utah State actually, or not Utah State, uh, they could have done that last game against UNLV, Colorado State, and they didn't. I thought there was a time when Milwaukee was in the second half where they might start fouling him to, to try to come back and win, but they didn't do it, which... Oh, that guy can't make a free throw. I'd be fouling him the whole time. So that's one area for Milwaukee that would be a really big problem. But that's not why Kruger's not playing him because nobody's actually fouling David Milwaukee that much. He does, it doesn't. It's not like that's been a strategy that's been employed this season. And even if it was, Victory Walko's shooting 55%. So it's not like Victory Walko's out here yeah. as a knockdown free throw, free throw shooter. shooter. He's also bad that kind of has the same problems as Milwaukee. Uh, last thing on UNLV. Luis Rodriguez made his return after missing a couple of games. Played 28 minutes, uh, only shot three of 10, though. But Jordan McCabe didn't play in uh, the last game. Any reporting on that? I meant to ask Mike that? earlier in the show, and I totally forgot about it. So wasn't dressed. It was not. He was there, but was not dressed, which is uh, strange. Um, but they got Luis Rodriguez back. Didn't have Jordan McCabe, so they haven't actually had like their full lineup the entire Mountain West season. I don't think because Parquet was out, and then. When he came back, Luis Rodriguez went out, and now McCabe's out. So maybe they'll maybe they're the Golden Knights, and they're never going to be healthy. <laughs> Could have been an injury. Could have been something else. Could have been, yeah. Just, but maybe they're just, nah. We're we're not interested in uh, doing this whole health thing. That doesn't seem any fun. So Shane Noel got to play 22 minutes again. Shane Noel has hit at least two threes in the last three games. He is six of ten in the last right. three games. Weirdly from three. good. Uh, <laughs> The, the thing is, he comes in, he did it against Colorado State, comes in, runs to the wing, first time he touches the ball, catch, shot. For one pass possession, but he made it. I was watching, I was like, oh, that's horrible. And then it went in. I was like, all right, never mind. That's pretty good. What, wasn't even like, sure. wasn't even wide open. His defender was right there. He was just like, yeah, the shot's going up, baby. I, I don't get, get to shoot. Like they don't. They may not let me back on the court. <laughs> I gotta get my points. All right, coming up next on ESPN Las Vegas, Darren Millard joins the show. We have no idea if he'll pick up, but this is the time he agreed to. This is the VGK update with Darren Millsy Millard. Listen to him Monday through Friday at four on the VGK Insiders on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Darren, did you go on vacation? Yes. Where are you? Where are you, buddy? I, I wish I was still on vacation and there was no service. Oh, wait, you're already back? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I do like my buddy Ed, though, so I, I made sure I yeah, climbed yeah. to the top of the mountain. Thank you, so buddy. Get yeah, yeah. This. Thank you, buddy. Calm Went on a little down. hike. Calm down. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm holding the phone straight up. Nice. And I've got service just to talk to my buddy Ed. There you go. That's good. I'll take it away. Wouldn't Ed. leave Ed hanging. Take- I wouldn't. I wouldn't leave Ed hanging, swaying in the wind. Nope. All right. How concerned are you about Mark Stone? Well, uh, obviously the back injury is uh, the same injury that he had last year, so that's a recurring. Uh, and I don't know if it's the exact same thing or not, Ed. I, I have to preface that, uh, whether uh, it falls under the category of a reoccurring uh, injury or it's a different part of the back. But uh, it does lend itself to uh, assumption that uh, it's in the same area. So uh, really, really concerned uh, for, for Mark. Uh, he, he looked great. He hadn't missed anything. And then it just popped out of nowhere. And uh, I was... Uh, shocked by the announcement yesterday because I've seen him around the rink a couple of times and I'm just hopeful that he was going to be able to, to rehab, but uh, obviously the setback uh, uh, happening and and concerned because uh, I don't know whether uh, what it means to him long-term, whether it's going to be something that he's obviously going to have to manage on a daily basis or whether uh, or not uh, he can get back this season. Uh, out indefinitely uh, kind of leaves it open. Yeah, the the timeline there. Th- there was no timeline given on the update from the Golden Knights. Should should we be talking about the rest of the season and and what they do next with the assumption that he doesn't play the rest of the year? Well, I would think based on the procedure last summer and the time that uh, that it took to come back, that, that you're looking at an extended period of time. And uh, I, I would be lying if I hadn't uh, gone down the path of availabilities uh, elsewhere and what this means to the to the Vegas Golden Knights at the National Hockey League trade deadline on, on March 3rd. So uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not going to tell people to rush to the trade deadline window, but I'm uh, that's because I'm already there and, uh, and, and, and I'm already looking at it. Uh, so um, it's, it's, it's something that you have to uh, look at uh, with uh, with both wide, uh, eyes wide open. Are you so if they you know put Stone on long term IR and free up some uh, cap space there? Yeah. Would it be in your mind? Do you think it'd be smarter to go after sort of the one big time player like a Patrick Kane, or would it be better for the Golden Knights if they have hey nine and a half million to spend to use that to go get two or three players to fill in some different spots on the roster? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, it uh, would uh, really factor into how much confidence you have in other parts of the lineup or what you like uh, about other parts of your lineup and, and who's available out there. If you've got some really good depth pieces that you can slot in in different spots where you think you can improve, then uh, then, then go down that path. Uh, the, the right side is, is a little uh, weakened right now. And you've got uh, some players that are playing uh, out of position. Michael Matteo is a natural center. Uh, he's playing on the right side right now. Uh, I, I would think that uh, that you would uh, you would like some more scoring up front, more stability. Uh, they haven't really found any solid uh, uh, combinations on that right side to, to fit with with Jack Eichel. So uh, you're probably looking at, at something first and foremost for the, the wing position on the right side. And then if you've got some left over, like Mark Stone's a $9.5 million cap hit. That's pretty significant. Uh, and, and there's only a couple of players out there in Kane and Taves uh, who are unrestricted free agents, and that's where I'm zeroing in. You're, you're looking at uh, 
uh, Stone being back, uh, if not this year, then, then for sure next year, then uh, you don't have that money available. So uh, you're looking at the expiring contract uh, side of it. Uh, you're, you might have some extra money to, to, to play with. Tarasenko is a right winger from St. Louis. A gifted score. Uh, had, uh, had a big part in playing uh, a 200-foot game in their Stanley Cup championship year. He's a $7.5 million cap hit, so that leaves you with, with a little bit of uh, extra that you might be able to work with. Darren, do you see, because we saw what he did when he was playing with Mark Stone, do you see after the break a different Jack Eichel? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think uh, for sure. Well, it's unprecedented, Ed, what, uh, what we saw going into the break uh, from Jack and not, uh, not producing points on, uh, on a nightly basis or an extended period of time. So I think just uh, the laws of logic uh, would say that we're going to see a, a improved and more productive Jack Eichel but also, I think that there's something to the fact that now they know what their organization and that room, Ed, uh, that uh, that they know Mark's not going to be back in the short term, and and they they got to get used to it and they got to figure it out. It's not just okay, let's get through these next couple of games and see where Stone is. Uh, he's he's not going to be back uh, right away, or, or for the next couple of weeks, or the next month. So uh, I think that uh, that now uh, Jack could really focus on on just being Jack and not worrying about anything else, uh, whether it be Stone or, or Stevenson or anybody else on, on his wing. And I think it's imp- imperative that that Jack uh, grabs this, and I'm 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 looking forward to it. It's a terrible thing for Mark Stone, but I'm I'm looking forward to to, to Jack being in this position and just uh, being able to run with it. Do you think Chandler Stevenson had a vacation plan that he had to cancel? Absolutely. Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't waiting around uh, saying, "I hope, I hope, I hope." Uh, absolutely, had. Now uh, there was there was a time. I don't know. It was probably before uh, uh, Tyler was born, so that would have been uh, two thousand eight, yeah. uh, two thousand nine. Uh, Brian Elliott, a goaltender, uh, was with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he's right now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But he was on a beach in the Caribbean, I think, snorkeling uh, or on a snorkeling trip, uh, and he got the call, and he packed up the uh, the vacation and, and went to Ottawa for the All-Star game. Oh. That, oh. that, my friend, is dedication, <laughs> because I was at that All-Star game, and it was chilly and icy and wintry. Oh, I, so guys will do a lot of things snorkeling. to uh, participate in this. I think it's, it's, it's great, like, uh, guys collect things. They get uh, they get to meet other players. Uh, uh, they're they're treated like royalty by the National Hockey League. Uh, there's n- nothing is spared. Uh, it's it's just a really cool thing, and I'm really happy for Chandler Stevenson. And I cannot wait for him to participate. If he does, if there's no guarantee, but if he does skate in that fastest skater competition because it's something that I've been wondering for a long time, what his lap time would be. Is the best part of the All-Star weekend going to be Bo Horvat playing for the Pacific Division in an Islanders jersey? Uh, no. Oh, no, but on. that is, that is really fun. unique. That, that is really unique. The, uh, the best part of the All-Star weekend is, uh, is going to be the stuff on the beach that, uh, that my buddy Steve Mayer with the National Hockey League is incorporating into the skills competition. And uh, I don't know who the band is this year, but there's always a great party. 
on the on the Friday night uh, uh, of All Star Weekend, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting some stories back from that because there is never a lack of events that uh, that uh, come out of that little event. All right, we sit here right now at the break. What's a good season for the Golden Knights? Uh, playoffs. Top three, uh, I would like home ice advantage, so I'll, I'm just working my way back, Ed, uh, <laughs> to, to the top. Uh, uh, top top playoffs is, is a no-brainer. Top three is great. I would love home ice advantage. I, I think the home ice advantage, even with Mark Stone's absence, is very doable. Uh, the fact that you've got some runway to alter your roster and complement that uh, before the National Hockey League trade deadline, which is uh, a month away now, uh, I, I absolutely uh, think that it's uh, extremely doable uh, to finish in a one-two spot and 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 or win this uh, win this Pacific Division. All right, two seed in the Pacific. We'll hold you to that in two months if we remember it. He's Darren Millard. <laughs> Thanks, Darren. We Thanks, appreciate Darren. it. Why don't you write this stuff down? We got a we got, we got a, a board, board but we got a we, board. when we write on it, it often gets erased or we forget about it. Uh, there's things up there that we wrote that don't remember why they're up there. We don't have good memories, Darren. Just, just why do you relax. have a notepad and just leave it in the corner? Yeah, like we bet on Phil Kessel, uh, and I'm going to win the bet, but I don't even remember what the goal total was. You don't I think remember. it was. I think it was I said seventeen he would score and a half. Nine goals. Nine goals. <laughs> get out of here, and, Darren. And I've already won the bet. Get out of here, Darren. Thanks, Darren. Bye, Ed. Take care of yourself, buddy. So there's Darren Millard. You cannot hear him on the VGK Insider Show this week. Lindsay and Chapman are filling in from 4 to 6 over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Coming up next, we'll get into some Las Vegas Aces. This is an opportunity, though, for Mike and us to use other skill sets that we have, other really assets we have in Mike's background, his experience uh, running offensive, calling plays. It's the kind of thing that... uh, had I worked this out with Mike coming in, I wouldn't have been as assured as I feel now because he knows our personnel even more so. Uh, he knows uh, uh, kind of what they've been doing, and he can meld that into his uh, any nuances of his uh, offensive system that he wants to. I love what's happening. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. He talks a lot about saying things a lot. He talks a lot, period. <laughs> He wouldn't have done this for Mike McCarthy coming in. Yeah. Like, really? And you hired him as your head coach. I can't, I hired him because, you know, he I could put his balls in my hand. <laughs> Yesterday, uh, the Aces free agent signings became official. Candace Parker uh, is in Alicia Clark also. And then they signed Kayla George as well, who has been playing in Australia, hasn't played in the WNBA since 2018, but she's averaging a double double in Australia. She's probably going to be a backup center to Candace Parker. But this was the most interesting thing to me yesterday with the signings. Uh, according to Richard Cohen, Candace Parker signed with the aces for $100,000. The WNBA max is over 200 thousand dollars which means presumably candace parker could have gotten a max contract somewhere which means candace parker took not only less half the salary she probably could have made to play with the aces in vegas once that uh how many titles has she won uh she has multiple right like this isn't a this this isn't a case where she's never won one and she wants to Get to where the best team is, and just right. you know, at the end of near the end of her career, right? Two time WNBA champion, okay, uh, sixteen and twenty one. 
So, yeah, this is not a case of where she's like, I need to cap my career off by winning a title. By winning a title. But she took half the, the player maximum to come play in Las Vegas, which I get my, my question when it comes to like signing Candace Parker, because the Aces weren't the only team. Uh, there were a couple of teams that were interested that were sort of she was talking to. Do you think the Aces had to like convince her? Hey, uh, I we know you can make more money in a different city or a different team, but come here. We can only offer you $100,000, but this is why it's worth it. Or do you think this was more I mean, initiated by Parker being like, I want to play there. How can we make this work? I think it's probably the latter. You think so? I think she wanted to play with this team and these players and and win a championship. And maybe that maybe that is. She wants to win a championship going right. out. She's in her mid-30s. Uh, older than that, I think. 37, 38? She's 37. She almost 40? 36. She'll be 37 okay, all right, so she's all right. by the time the season okay. starts. I think it's more the latter, and she wanted to play with the best team. Yeah. And good for the Aces. Well, good for the Aces the to get her at $100,000. If you are the WNBA... Actually, it might be better. If you're the WNBA PA, if you're the Players Association... Are you mad at this? I think you probably should be. That's a precedent that you probably don't want set. Right. But at the end of the day, you could also say, "Ah, Candace Parker's 37. She's been in the league a while. Like, it's not the same as a 26-year-old. Taking half the money. Right. But it's it's still, if you're the Players Association, you're probably looking around saying, come on, Candace. Right. What are you doing? Like, we know you got a really good chance to win the title, but... Go somewhere else that's going to give you the two hundred and twenty or thirty. Yeah, that's better max. for our players going forward. Um, because the other report from Richard Cohen is that Alicia Clark signed for one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Now she is not the Candace Parker, but Richard Cohen said that he thinks that Alicia Clark could have gotten more money elsewhere. Probably wouldn't have been the max, but that she probably took a pay cut to come play with the Aces as well. Well, the the PA is obviously big big <laughs> fans of the Aces right now. <laughs> right. Very happy with the Las Vegas Aces. Aces. So that's where the Aces stand in this offseason. That's, I mean, anytime you can get a player to sign for less than what their market value probably is. Sure. Especially half. Right. You absolutely crushed it. The other interesting part in the WNBA, Brianna Stewart yep. is signing with the New York Liberty. The New York Liberty... Already had Sabrina Ionescu. They acquired John Quell Jones, a former MVP, this offseason as, as well. And now they have Brianna Stewart. They have a very, very good big three. And it's a point guard, it's a forward, and it's a center. That's probably the second best team in the WNBA behind the Aces. There's a good chance that that's their biggest threat. And there's a good chance that that's the WNBA Finals, yeah. is Aces and Liberty, just because of, I mean, I think I'd probably take Brianna Stewart with the number one pick in a WNBA draft right now. I would too. Like if all the players were available, if there's if everyone is available, everyone is on the on the block. I would take her. Yeah, and like she is phenomenal. And then you add to that Sprini Ionescu, who's been good but not superstar level since she joined the Liberty, and then John Quill Jones, who won an MVP. What was that two years ago? Mm-hmm. I think the big difference there, though, is that the Aces. They can also say, well, we've got a big three of Kelsey Plum, Asia Wilson, Chelsea Gray. And now you had Candace Parker. And we have Candace Parker and Jackie Young. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, your big three is cute and that's nice and all, right. but we have like a big, big five. five or six. Yeah. So the Aces are they're so stacked right now. It's ridiculous yeah. how stacked they are. And the Lib- the Liberty are also stacked. You know what this means? 
Another parade. Another parade? We love parades. Start planning it? Yeah, start planning the parade. The, I think the genuine question, does this mean expansion? Print the shirts. Like, does the WNBA need to expand? Mm. To spread out the talent? I mean, I mean, it's kind of, it's great for the Aces, don't get me wrong, it's great for the Aces that they're this good, but, I mean, you're literally talking about two teams that can probably win the title, right. like, in in. February yeah. twelve. Washington should be good too, but it's probably two teams yeah. that have a realistic shot chance to win the WNBA title. Is that good? No, not at all. No, the, not one bit. I mean, that's kind of the big complaint in college football. And hey, TCU got there this year as sort of a out of nowhere team. But for the most part, we go into every college football season. And it's like, all right, Georgia, Alabama. Here's the five teams that could win the title this right. year, and that's kind of it. So. It's not good. Um, the problem with saying, hey, I mean, obviously expansion would potentially help spread the talent out. The problem, though, is do you have enough potential owners that want to buy into the WNBA right, right. now? Do you have, you know, you don't need to, but do you have at least Bill two Foley. to four that would get say, a team hey, elsewhere. what is he going to put them in Bournemouth? Yeah, he's going to put them in Bournemouth. <laughs> he's going to bring the WNBA over to overseas. Well, will that's they, worked out in the past. Will they be allowed to charter? <laughs> Southwest. Southwest flying over the Atlantic Ocean. Great travel schedule. Don't bring any CBD oil.